You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 572 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. It is late into the night here on this fine Sunday into Monday, and it's lottery week. We have officially arrived at one of the tent poles of the season, or I guess from the NBA calendar for the Atlanta Hawks. A very interesting uh, night ahead on Tuesday evening. We are recording this ahead of time so we can get out there. Hopefully everybody will be able to listen to it before Tuesday night, and then of course we'll have another podcast after the festivities on Tuesday, but we'll touch on the lottery more in a moment, there was one piece of news between the last time we did a podcast last week and today, and that was that the uh, Hawks, or I guess more specifically the College Park Skyhawks, made a big announcement on Friday that 2 Chains is now part of the ownership group for the G League team in uh, College Park. There's also a, a logo that's available and making the rounds. I'm sure you've all seen it at this point in time, and it got some pretty positive reviews. Honestly, I won't cover the Skyhawks too, too much on this podcast unless, uh, you know, big time prospects that are on the Hawks roster and will actually affect the uh, the big league club's roster spend time there. But it was pretty cool to see the videos and a bit of the buzz from that announcement. You know, 2 Chan's a big name. He's definitely been prominent in Atlanta and got a lot of feedback about that. I wasn't on the site. I wasn't on site there on Friday for the announcement. I was actually still in, uh, in transit coming back from my uh, work trip. But very interesting times ahead. I least wanted to acknowledge that um, that it was a pretty interesting and cool thing that the uh, Hawks put together down there in College Park. And those guys will be kicking off their uh, inaugural season in that new venue uh, later on, I guess probably in October or November, whenever the G League start G, G League season begins. So stay tuned for all of that. But I wanted, I wanted to at least acknowledge it. Other other thing that I wanted to at least touch on before we get to the rest of the podcast was the crazy day in the NBA today um, on, on on Sunday. A pair of Game 7s, uh, I always think of, you know, I, as someone who covers the entire league as I do um, over at Dime, there's lots of interesting takeaways from those two games, but, you know, just in terms of roster building stuff from the Hawks, sort of taking that stuff into account, looking and seeing what the uh, future might hold for various players on the Hawks roster. You had the early game, which was kind of a slugfest in some ways, um, probably more so than we expected because of the offense that had been great early on in the series between Denver and Portland. A road team going on the on the road and winning Game Seven was surprising. CJ McCollum generated a, a, a sort of a big a big debate on Twitter about uh, I guess uh, quote unquote analytics and mid range jumpers and all this weird fun stuff. Um, it became uh, sort of an annoying story in some ways, but also some a sort of interesting one as someone who was on the sidelines for it. Um, CJ, uh, it's worth noting, is one of the best mid range shooters in the entire league, and um, that kind of shot for him, especially by the time it got out of his hand, it was pretty uncontested with the way that he was able to discard. Um, that was a pretty darn good shot for CJ McCollum. He is an elite mid range shooter, making these discussions pretty interesting because not everyone or basically hardly anyone is as good at that shot as CJ McCollum actually happens to be which is uh, worth pointing out and uh, saw some Hawks fans engaging in that conversation in some, in some ways because the Hawks are a pretty analytically driven team right now uh, they have one of the best shot profiles in the league with, with with regard to taking the vast majority of their shots at the rim or from three um, they were not a huge mid-range shooting team part of that is personnel based there are some guys on, on the roster that can make that kind of shot but also I think the Hawks recognize that percentage wise it's just not the best shot you can get there are certain players though that are good at the good enough at making that shot like for instance Al Horford a longtime Hawk was uh, good enough as a mid-range shooter to uh, go ahead and do that on a regular basis Horford's been uh 
that kind of player for a long, long time now. And there are some guys in the league where mid-rangers, especially open mid-rangers, are still quality shots. Um, and obviously McCollum is one of those guys. And I think Trey Young will be one of those players. He's that kind of shooter. So if he can get a, a an open mid-ranger, that's still a shot that you probably want. It's just a situation where um, roster building is interesting and uh, sort of overall philosophy. So without getting too deep, too deep into that, I think not too much has changed. Uh, if, you have, if you have elite guards, it definitely helps you to be able to get that shot off because more, more often than not, that's the kind of shot that you're actually going to be able to get and generate at the end of a game. So being a good shooter on that kind of shot is very important. For instance, like Chris Paul had a huge game the other night. You know, famously, the Rockets hate mid-range jump shots, but Chris Paul is one of the best mid-range shooters of all time, and he had a few of those um, sort of knockdown efforts against against the Warriors in that game. He was not the reason they lost, obviously. Him and James Harden were both very good. So it's not always a purist kind of thing, and it became this uh, huge this huge debate. And as someone who covers the Hawks, who you know purposely and have talked about this repeatedly, want as many shots as possible at the rim and from three. It's because the math and everything that would tell you to do that. Uh, and this is not a situation where there are these uh, huge analytical nerds. It's not like they're run by Daryl Morey or these MIT guys, Travis Lank, Lloyd Pierce. They all kind of recognize the value of all that. So I think that was interesting to point out. And uh, it's also personnel based quite a bit as well. So, all that to say, an awesome game between Denver and Portland that got really close, and obviously CJ was just fantastic in the second half. And then uh, the nightcap <laughs> of Toronto and Philly, I don't often talk about non-Hawks basketball too much on this podcast, but that was an awesome game, uh, including the, uh, what, you know, Ridiculous shot. It's probably the only way I could put it at the end. The like four bounce game winner from Kawhi Leonard in the right corner. The reactions after the game. Uh, just all kinds of, uh, you know, emotion pouring on all sides. Joel B was choked up after the fact. You definitely see that. He was frustrated and, you know, played the most minutes he's ever played in a regulation basketball game. Uh, he was clearly exhausted. It was pretty visible to see that. Kawhi was ridiculous, as he has been for most of the playoffs. Toronto getting the win and now facing Milwaukee. Um, so got the one versus two matchup. Old friend of the program, Mike Budenholzer and Giannis and all those guys will be playing in that matchup. So we might talk about some more uh, NBA stuff, big picture, because there isn't too much going on. Obviously, the draft is going to be huge and uh, over, the, over the lottery over the next couple of days, here we'll spend the vast majority of our time on the Hawks but in between that and the draft we could spend some more time talking about the NBA because I just enjoy it and hopefully you guys do too so with that said we're gonna go to a short break right now and we'll come back talk about the uh, Hawks stuff on this podcast Okay, we're back, and uh, I wanted to get to one mailbag question before we touch on the lottery, and this sort of has a lottery implication as well. And the question came from Darius, uh, who says, what kind of impact does the lottery have on what the Hawks might might try to do in free agency? Who are the max-level guys that you think they should at least try to sign if they are able to do so? So I'm going to answer the second part of this question first, the max level guys. I'm on record as saying that I would only give a full max contract to Kevin Durant and Kawhi Leonard. The third guy that I probably would consider it would be Clay Thompson. I probably wouldn't do it, all things considered, but I would definitely not complain if the Hawks did that because of uh, you know where he is on the aging curve and the fact that he's going to be able to progress offensively just fine. I think defensively you might see some slippage from Clay, but obviously Durant and Kawhi are kind of no-brainers. They're just so good that even if, even if uh, Durant especially is a little bit older than you would want for the Hawks, they're just you know absolute elite level top five kind of players, and you just have to sign those guys if you're able to do so. I think all three of those players are not going to be coming to Atlanta, unfortunately, for someone like me trying to cover them. But um, after that, I would not be paying full blown max money for four years to anybody else that's on the market this summer. So I guess that probably answers your question. I do think that guys like Jimmy Butler and Chris Middleton would certainly help the Hawks and make them better on the floor. I wouldn't max them for a full four years right now, though, because of Butler. 
um, is a little bit older, and uh, um, with the way the Hawks' timeline is, I wouldn't be wanting to pay him, and his sort of his alpha dog personality as well wouldn't be the greatest fit, I don't think. And the Middleton, um, I think he make a lot of sense on the floor, and I think he fills in a lot of gaps. But I would not want to pay him a four-year full-blown max contract because um, I think I do think he's, he's definitely a supporting piece, and the Hawks need a little bit better than that. I think ultimately, if they want to win a title with their current core. With that said, you know, outside of that, the other guys who are definitely going get, to get, 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 be getting the max on the market are uh, Kyrie Irving and Kemba Walker, who obviously the Hawks will not be signing at point guard. Everybody else that's on the market could get the max. There's a couple guys that could certainly get that, um, but not necessarily full-blown, no-doubt max guys available. If you wanted to get super weird, I would tell you that Al Horford is probably worth a max salary for like one season or two seasons. I do think that he's going to get more than that, though. Guaranteed money. I think he's probably too old for what the Hawks want to do. He'd be an awesome fit. I wish Al was 25 again because he and John Collins would be perfect together. But uh, that's not necessarily the most likely scenario in the world. Everybody else that's around... There is one guy on the restricted margin, uh, restricted free agency market that I would consider, but it's not. It would be kind of fruitless because he is uh, going to get mashed. That, that'd be Christos Porzingis. He'd be a pretty good fit, I think, alongside John Collins. With that said, Dallas is almost certainly going to match any offer that anybody puts out there, so it, it probably wouldn't be worth it too much to go out and sign him. And he's the only guy that's um, on that timeline that I'd be trying to give a max money contract too. So hopefully that answers the question. In terms of impact on the lottery, which is the first part of the question from Darius, um, there's not too much going on there. I do think that the impact could be on the next tier down from that, but the only position that the Hawks are kind of set in right now is point guard. Obviously, they do have a fully established starter kind of player in John Collins, but because he can play multiple positions at four and the five, that gives them some more flexibility. So the lottery won't really lock them in anywhere. Even if they were to get Zion, for instance, at number one overall, that really helps them to project moving forward. But because Zion is also pretty versatile, it wouldn't necessarily change their free agent plan a whole lot, I wouldn't think, because they still want to be sort of staying on course and taking their time in free agency. Otherwise, I think you know the, the draft themselves, they're probably just going to be a best player available mode outside of point guard. So if they were to get you know, you know two picks in the top 10, and I think they're probably going to come away with at least one like wing slash forward, someone in the Jarrett Culver, Cam Reddish, um, DeAndre Hunter mold, they'll probably get one of those guys, I would imagine, somewhere along the way if they have two picks. But that does not necessarily mean that they're going to be locked in too much. And because you can't have too many wings, in my opinion, there really isn't too much of an impact in terms of the lotter- of what just happens in the lottery on what the free agency plans are. I think that Travis Schlenk and Lloyd Pierce have now said more than once that they're going to be taking their time and uh, trying to stay on course. They could certainly sign a free agent or two, and we'll, we'll spend more time on that, obviously, in the future. But in terms of just the pre-lottery part of this, I think wherever the Hawks land in the lottery doesn't really directly impact the free agency spending. They're still going to want to sign the guys that they're going to want to sign. And um, I guess it could matter depending on who they draft. For instance, if they were to draft you know, two guys in the same position, like if they were to draft two small forwards in the top 10, maybe you wouldn't want to sign small forward because you still have Torian Prince and you still have other guys on the roster. But you know, of course, they could still trade other guys. And you know, wings are at a premium right now in the way that the game is played. So. Um, big picture, it probably shouldn't impact too, too much on the free agency side, although obviously there's big, big time impact on the uh, roster building standpoint from the Hawks and the way that they want to build things slowly and all that fun stuff. So we'll talk more about that, obviously, with with, with, uh, where, the, uh, with where the Hawks might actually be picking um, in a day or two when we actually know that information. Uh, speaking of that, I want to give a refresher before we get out of here on what will definitely be a short podcast. We're going to come back with more and more content after the lottery is over. We'll talk about specific scenarios and all that fun stuff, so there'll be plenty more where that came from. But as a refresher to the lottery, if you want to see the full odds, they are up on PeachtreeHoops.com. I have pinned those to the front page, so go ahead and check those out. 
if you want to uh, catch up on where the odds actually are. But as a reminder, the Hawks have a 10.5% chance at the number one overall pick in the draft. Uh, if that happens, they definitely should, should take Zion Williamson. That's sort of, it's the only no-brainer in the entire class is that Zion is number one for me, and it's not even particularly close. Um, Zion should be number one pick. So if they, <laughs> they, if they land that, then it becomes pretty easy from there, in my opinion. Um, after that, though, about a 10.5% chance at number two, same at number three, same at number four. So uh, that combines for about a 42% chance a top four pick if you are the Hawks, and a 57.87% chance that the Hawks will either be at number five or they will fall down. So that's basically the non-top four pick selection. So it is more often uh, than not that the Hawks will not be picking in the top four. Now, it's it's almost a coin flip in some ways. You know, 42-58 is not too much of a dichotomy there. So just keep that in mind when you're going through here. Um, also, there's a 36% chance that the Hawks' own pick is seventh or worse, which would be kind of frustrating, obviously, if you're the Hawks and you've gone through the season where you definitely overachieved to, to some degree on the court. But um, for the most part, it was a rebuilding campaign aimed at um, being a uh, at being better in the draft. So if you were to come out with your own pick being at you know seven or eight, which is a decent is a decent possibility of that, it would not be great for team building standpoints. Obviously, there is some uh, reason to be positive about where the Hawks are with the way they played this year. But ideally, you want to get some high end talent and. That's a, it's a little bit harder to do that at seven or eight than it would be at three or four. So keep that in mind as well. Um, on the Dallas pick front, that's definitely something that's going to be uh, talked about quite a bit between the between now and Tuesday night um, at eight thirty. But a seventy three point eight percent chance for the Hawks to keep the Dallas pick, and there's a seventy point seven percent chance that the Hawks will have either the ninth or tenth pick in the draft if that were to land. So. In contrast, there's a 26% chance or so that the Hawks will not have the Dallas pick. It would not be the end of the world. I'll say this right now. I'll call my shot here a little bit. If that if this were to happen, I'll be saying the same thing on Tuesday night. But it would not be the end of the world if the Hawks did not get the Dallas pick this time around. I am on record as saying that you should be rooting for the Hawks to get the pick because I think this is not going to be a great um, draft. But at the same time, there is at least the possibility that Dallas improves quite a bit next year when you get Porzingis in there with uh, what would have to be a pretty good draft pick in the top four and whatever free agency agency, uh, guys that they add. There's a chance that Dallas will be better next year um, and considerably better. Um, With that said, this draft is not going to be great necessarily, in my opinion. So if getting a pick in the 9-10 range is obviously a pretty good pick still, it's a lottery pick and even in a bad that, that definitely matters, but it isn't do or die. You don't lose the pick if you don't get it this year. It's not a do. Or, you know, for instance, the the Cleveland pick that's going to be rolling into next year at top ten protection. If you don't get that pick, it becomes two second round picks. That is much more of an impasse than this one is. When if you don't get this pick this year, it becomes the same pick protection next year in 2020. And I think with a reasonable expectation that you would get it next year. So the gap between, for instance, the number 9 or 10 pick this year and the number 18 pick next year is not huge, necessarily. It might be important. It might be notable. It might be uh, a difference where, um, obviously, I think I'm on record as saying again that this year you want the pick if you are a Hawks fan, at least in my recommendation, in my opinion, you want the pick to convey. But if it doesn't convey, you're probably going to get a, mid- a mid-first round pick next year as well. So it wouldn't be the end of the world. So let me go ahead and preach to that right now. It wouldn't be the end of the world. The only scenario for me that would be sort of a nightmare for the Hawks is if Dallas got the number one pick in the draft because A, Zion is that good, and B, if Dallas gets the number one pick in the draft, they, they then have Luka, Zion, and Kristaps Porzingis, 
and max cap space. So if they were to go out and have all that, or at least close to max cap space, they probably would have a pretty easier time luring a free agent. And uh, as a result, that would be getting a lot better. You still get a first round pick next year from Dallas if that happens, but it would not be fun for Hawks fans to see Dallas with Luka and Zion and Porzingis moving forward. So that would not be fun, obviously, in a lot of ways, but I want to at least point that out. So, you know, big picture, Hawks fans should be rooting for it to convey. And uh, once again, a 74% chance or so that the Hawks will get that pick from Dallas. And uh, beyond that, it is likely to be at number 9 or number 10 if it comes. So, all that to say, the Hawks are more likely than not to have two picks in the top 10 at the end of Tuesday night. It's 8.30 on uh, ESPN before the Western Conference Finals. It's going to be very interesting to see how uh, all that breaks down for the Hawks. We'll all, ha- we'll all be uh, holding our breath collectively. I'll have full... Um, reaction on this podcast as well as on PeachtreeHoops.com after that. So uh, between now and then, the only way that I'll come back with another podcast is if something crazy breaks because I, I, I realized that I had a guest lined up and I was like, why don't we just wait until after the lottery and uh, you know, there's no real point in, dis- in discussing draft prospects right now as, uh, as clearly as it would be post-lottery when we know what the Hawks are going to be picking. So we can drill down from there. There'll be plenty more content in this space, but I wanted to at least deliver a refresher course of some sort. Again, 10.5% chance, number one pick, a 57% chance or so the Hawks will be number five or worse. 36% 36% chance that it's seven or worse. So um, a lot of numbers I know to throw at you, but it's a pretty important night for the Hawks in some ways. They could conceivably have only one pick and have that pick be outside the top five. That'd be brutal. If they uh, get lucky, they could be number number one, number nine. So lots of uh, swings there from, for instance, like if they had their own pick at only number eight and no Dallas pick versus number one and number nine, that's a huge drop off. So um, it's just one of those things, man. We'll, we'll, all, we'll all endure this one together. Hopefully you guys um, will have your fingers crossed and all that stuff. So uh, please, please go ahead and do that. And uh, you know, lot, lots of uh, content to come in the future. So please subscribe to this podcast. Please tell your friends about this podcast. It'll be a little bit longer in the future once we get some guests going on on the pod. But uh, things will be stabilized after Tuesday night, uh, one way or the other. So please stay tuned, and uh, we'll be back again right after the lottery. <laughs>